Um, uh, it's good to see JD up front here. He told me if while I was having a sermon, if it got quiet, and I needed amen just to tug my ear. So I just want to see if it works. Amen. There you go. All right, good. So if it gets quiet, I, I might do that. Um, feel free just to volunteer too. Um, yesterday, a bunch of guys got together, and there was some barbecue and some guns and, and some skeet. And it, was, it was a good time. Um, can't say much for the skeet, uh, that we recycled a lot of them. We didn't hit much of them. Um, there was also some target practice and we had two types of guns out there. We had, or we had rifles and we also had shotguns. Now, uh, if you, if you don't know the difference between the two, a, a rifle shoots one bullet. A shotgun usually has a casing or a shell and it shoots lots of bullets. And that's what we were trying to hit the skeet with unsuccessfully most, most often. But today, um, I, I want to use as a metaphor, I don't know where you, you are as far as this passage we're going to go through. So if you would turn in your Bibles to Romans 12, 3 through 8. And I, I'm really going to be, this is going to be a shotgun sermon. And what I mean by that is, I don't know where everybody is uh, as far as understanding of the spiritual gifts. If you're uh, maybe on the, uh, you're unaware of yours, or you're very aware of it, and you use it too much, as Dean said, or maybe you don't enough. I, I'm, we're going to, we're going to preach to that, and I, I don't, I don't have any idea. So uh, we know that if you get hit with one of those uh, shotgun shells, then the the Holy Spirit's the one shooting at you, not me. So that's the idea behind it. Um, Romans twelve three through eight. I'm going to read it for us, and then. Uh, we have it up here. It says, for by, the grace, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually, Members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our, if I'm sorry, in prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, and the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal. And the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So um, I, I wanted to, in studying this, uh, again, I, I, anytime I look at a passage, you got to know the context. Because context is king. And so Paul, for really 11 chapters of Romans, has been uh, given theology to the, the people of Rome. And so he's talking through lots of things in Romans 1 through 11. He's been talking about... Chapters 1 through 2, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Um, or I'm sorry, 1 through 3. Um, and then on 3 through 5, he talks about that there's one, there's one way for salvation. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. And then chapters 6 through 8, he's talking about sanctification. That sin's uh, broken now, that Christ is in your life. But you'll always struggle with sin. There will be a continual struggle the rest of your life. Until you die with sin. Um, but one day there will be victory. And then chapters 9 through 11. Really goes into God's plan of redemption. 
that if, if you were saved, it's not because of you. It's because God came after you. And there's an expression that you can't lead a horse to water, but then the rest of that expression is you can salt his oats. And that's exactly what God did in his plan. He salted your oats so that you were thirsty for him and you came after him, but he brought you. And so it talks about election, but also on the other side, warnings of disbelief or unbelief and uses Israel as an example. So now we get to chapter 12 and 12 through 16 is application. Paul does this pivot and says, now let's get down to the nitty gritty. Let's get down to practical life experiences, really where the fork meets the grits. This is, this is the idea of what is, how do you live your life and how do we live our lives together? And so in this passage, Romans 12, 3 through 8, he really talks about three things. And they're like any uh, good sermon, they're, gonna, they're all going to uh, have, it's going to be consonants. And so it's, it's three A's. Okay, so the first one is he talks about your attitude of humility, that you first should have an attitude of humility. Verse 3 is that. And then secondly, he wants to talk, uh, he wants to share about the awareness of the body of Christ. Okay, so first your attitude of humility, your awareness of the body of Christ. And the last thing Paul's going to hit is your, your acts of intentionality or your, your action of intentionality. So he, he's really, Paul in this, in this passage neatly hits on talking to your heart, your head, and your hand. And that's what I'm going to uh, follow that and try to illustrate that here. So first, Paul talks about your attitude of humility. If you look in verse 3, it says, For by the grace given to me. So even in Paul, when he's sharing this, he even cites the grace of God. He's humbling, humbly sharing that you should be humble. Okay? And so, so for thy grace given to me, I say to everyone not to think of himself more highly than he ought, but in sober judgment. So he says for you to be sober. So let's look at the contrast of sobriety. It's inebriation or to be drunk. So if we're not humble in assessing what our spiritual gifts are um, or how we use them or when we use them or why we use them, then we are we're really prideful or insecure is another term for that. Now, oftentimes when we think of pride, we think of this idea of superiority. But really, pride has two heads. And it has this idea of superiority or this idea of inferiority. So you may, you may have a, this superior view of your gifts, and you're kind of arrogant. And you, maybe you think, I've got the gift of evangelism, and it's very, it's very public, it's very open. And you, you think more highly of yourself, or you think your gifts are better than other gifts. He's saying, no, you need, to, you, need to, you need to sober up on this. Or maybe on the other extreme, you have the gift of service, which often tends to be behind the scenes. You see some needs in the body of Christ, and you meet those. But you think, that's not, it's not public, it's not as good. He says, no, that's a, that is pride in, in manifesting itself in inferiority. Um, he says, neither one. You shouldn't have an insecure assessment of this. Now, I always say this, that insecurity is finding security in an insecure thing. Okay? Insecurity is finding security in an insecure thing. And so if your understanding of the gifts uh, that, the, that God gives you is really based on how the people perceive you, how it's received, 
whether you get compliments or not, then that's an insecure thing. Um, I grew up in South Georgia and down just south of us, uh, many of y'all know Wendy Eunice, she, uh, but down where she grew up, there's this place called the Okefenokee Swamp. And Okefenokee literally means land of trembling earth. It's an Indian name. And the reason it's called that is because in the swamp, it's, it's many, many acres, is that all the, all the leaves and peat moss would fall and sink to the bottom of the water there. And eventually it would get the swamp gas. Then this, all the leaves and mulch would float to the top. And they were very rich in nutrients. And so then, then uh, seeds would fall on it and grow trees. And then more peat moss would fall on it. And this island would literally, it would grow. And it would be this huge island. And so you, you can canoe through the Okefenokee and you go, well, let's, let's dock over here and pull and tie off your, your, your canoe to this giant island, you know, bigger than, than this auditorium. But if you jump up and down, the whole thing moves. And literally, I, I was talking to a friend the other day who's been there before. And he said he and a bunch of buddies would go to the, go to the islands there, the Okefenokee Islands, and they would play football on them. And, uh, and so you're, he said one time he's running for, he, 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 he's running for a touchdown. He's running through and he just stops. His leg goes through the island and his leg is dangling in the water underneath the island there. And it's surrounded by alligators. So, uh, it, it's not the best place to play football, but that's part of the stupidity of, uh, of male youth. Right. But that's the idea. If, if, if you, the Okefenokee is not stable ground. Okay. At any time, you could go through it or you could fall off of it if you tilt too much on that island. And if your understanding of your gifting and your use of your gifting is not based on the grace that Christ has come into your life and that he's given you gifts, then you're standing on very, very movable land. It is not stable ground. Um. Interesting enough, the word for gift, spiritual gift, the word for gift is the same root word as grace. And, and you can make the case that when we share our gifts, and he lifts some here, and this is an exhaustive list. But when you share your, your spiritual gift or gifts, then you're, you're incarnating. You're, you're putting flesh on grace. You're putting flesh on grace. In the Old Testament, it's interesting that the Spirit worked a little bit different. He descended on select people in the Old Testament. And that's what Dean read about this morning. In Exodus 31, the Spirit of God descended on Bezalel and um, his assistant, whose name I can't really pronounce, um, but descended upon these two guys and gave them, this. another version of the Bible says, gave them wisdom to be able to work crafts and all from stone to wood to leather to fabric to oil i mean it's amazing the things they built here and this is a gift from god to to encourage the body of israel so they could worship god that was a gift he descended on select people he gave certain gifts to serve um so they could serve god and people uh gideon he gave the gift of leadership so we can look at the Old Testament as a bit of a, a, a sneak peek or a trailer for how the Holy Spirit was go, is going to work in the New Testament. So that when Pentecost came, he gave gifts to everybody. He descended upon all those that were his. And he gave them generously. And just like anybody gives you a gift, you should be grateful for that. So you should have an attitude of humility with your gift, whatever it may be, whatever 
talents or gifts you may have. Secondly, you should be aware of the body. Okay? You should be aware of the body. Anytime Paul, Paul talks about gifts, it's never in isolation of the body of Christ. It's always together. And here he uses the metaphor of the body. And he, in other, there's other passages, Ephesians 4, uh, 1 Corinthians 12. And he uses this metaphor over and over and over about the body. And it has many members, like an arm, a, a hand, eyes, ears, feet. But it's a part of one body. And the, the hand shouldn't say, I'm better than the foot because you can see me or I can grab stuff or I have an opposable thumb. It doesn't say those things. Um, um, it, 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 it is that it should realize that it's a part of the body. And that's what he's saying here, that you should be awareness of the body. Also that you, we, we find out what our gifts are in the context of the body. Okay, when we're interacting with one another, we start to find out what our gifts are um, and that we should uh, roam. I mean, uh, uh, l- later on, it says that we should uh, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. That's a passage that's talking about individual members, you individually, how you should respond to the body of Christ. And so think about let's use that metaphor of a body. You're running along, you're jogging and um, you step or you twist your ankle. You step off the curb and twist your ankle. Automatically, the body goes to work to help that one member that's been hurt. So automa- if you twist your right, your right foot, automatically all your weight shifts to your left foot. So it picks up the weight. Then your hand goes down and grabs your ankle. Your mouth opens and screams. Your eyes open wide. All the body, maybe your, maybe your ears start or your, your eyes start to water, but all the body comes to aid of that one hurting member. That's how we need to understand ourselves in, in context. In our culture, honestly, we live in a very individualistic culture. How many websites are mywhatever.com? That is, it is a, and it's okay. Paul, those are truths that Paul talks about, that you're an individual or you're a member, and there's also the body of Christ. But oftentimes our culture has lost this idea of collectiveness communalness and we it's just about the individual freedom and is run amok and the church has been pickled by that message there you go jd thank you um so you need to see your gifts in light of how does it involve the body of christ not just something that you have that can be encased you know, it's not like a, a signed baseball that you put on a shelf or one of those China dolls that some people collect and put up on the shelf and never really touch. Oh, you can't touch that. No, the gifts are to be interacted with one another. So if you can teach, then teach. If you can, if you can identify needs in the body of Christ and you can serve, then serve. If, you're, if, you, can, uh, if you hear what God is trying to tell the body of Christ then prophesy. It's tell forth his word. He's saying, do this. Well, that's really verses four through five, but in verse six, he says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given us, let us use them. So if you're prophesying, if you have prophecy, do it in relation to your faith, but use it. If your service, serve. And he goes on. So he's saying, be intentional about it. All right? 
You know, 26 years ago, Nike came up with an ad campaign. Actually, an ad agency came up with a Nike, uh, the ad campaign. It was Just Do It. And the very first commercial aired in 1988. And it was this guy, this 80-year-old guy. Uh, his name was Walter Stack. And there's this picture of the Golden Gate Bridge. And he's running down the Golden Gate Bridge. Kind of zooms in on him. And, um, and cars are passing him, honking their horn. He's waving at him. You know, he's running on the sidewalk there. And he says, every morning, I run 17 miles. 80 years old, and he's running 17 miles. Of course, he's got Nike shoes on. And, um, and he says, you know, people ask me in the wintertime, what, how do you keep your teeth from chattering? And then it, it, you know, cues the music. And he says, that's easy. I just leave them in the locker. Um, and so, beautiful, beautiful commercial. But it's this idea and that whole ad campaign, which still 26 years later, they still use it. it and, and it came out of the, the ad guy who, who came up with that idea the night before he's about to do the presentation to Nike, had about six to eight different commercials made by six to eight different directors. And he needs some unifying theme between the, those. And so he, he spent about 20 minutes on it and came up with that idea of just do it. And it's this idea of no matter the uncertainty, no matter the obstacles, just go out and do it. Whatever it is, if you're 80 years old and it's cold and you want to keep your teeth from chattering, then take them out. Do whatever it takes, but do it. And that is what 2,030 years before that, Paul was saying the same thing about the spiritual gifts. He says, if you have the gift of service, then just serve. If you have the gift or exhortation, exhort. If you have the gift of mercy, then, then just then, then, then be merciful. Some definitions of those is mercy. You're sensitive to those suffering. You're, you have sympathy in their misery. And you come and care for their deeds. And you alleviate distress. Leadership. You direct and motivate the body of Christ to get involved and accomplish the goals of Jesus Christ. Giving. You share your material resources cheerfully and liberally with those who have need with no thought of return. Um, exhortation. You come to others with words of comfort and counsel to encourage them, to help them be who God wants them to be. Teaching. You instruct others in the Bible in a logical, systematic way so they can understand the word of God. Service, you identify undone tasks in God's work, however menial, and you use the resources to get the job done. That word is literally the word we use for deacon. Um, prophecy, you speak forth the message of God to his people to lead to conviction. Paul's saying if you have these, and there's many more. There's different lists that say there's, there's I've seen lists of uh, nine 16, 20, 25. I think there's actually more than that. We even see in the Old Testament that that gift of craftsmanship. There's something with that. I think there's gift of music, um, which I know I don't have. Okay? You don't want me within a quarter mile of musical instruments, which is kind of ironic that I'm up here on stage next to Trent's guitar. But I, I mean, as a kid, I knew early on I didn't have the gift of musical abilities. I, I had to go to choir every Monday with my brother with Miss Duval. And she would uh she would put tape on the floor in the in the uh the, the church concert hall and would make 
clef, I don't even know the ner- terms for them, but like she would do musical notes on the, on the floor and say, go get it on the, I want to say clef palette, but it's not clef palette. What a, <laughs> see, I don't, treble clef, what is it? Treble clef. There you go. Get on the treble clef. So I still don't know it. You can see my gift. I, ha- I have the anti-gift of music. So um, she'd say, go over there. And I, I'd, you know, jump over there. I'd want to do hopscotch instead of doing the musical notes. I don't have the gift of music. And I know that because of <clears throat> several things. Just people have told me that. Um, and then, intuitively, I know it. I don't like it. I don't have a heart for it um, to be able to, to, to help the body of Christ. But in this list, you'll see that, that really it's broken up into two types of gifts. They're really gifts of speech and gifts of what I call helps. Gifts of speech and gifts of helps. Let's look at that in verse 6, 7 and 8. You see um, prophecy, teaching, and exhortation is really, those are three that really, you can come under the heading of gifts of speech. And service, contribution, um, or generosity, um, leadership, and acts of mercy are gifts of help. They're practical helps. And I think you could divide a lot of Paul's list into those two categories. Is it gifts of speech or helps? But really, to kind of to get to some of the application of it, is you need to, and I don't know what stage you're in, but you need to discover, develop, and deploy your gifts. So you need to discover, develop, and deploy your gifts. So let's first talk about discover your gifts. And I, again, you, you may be unaware, there may be some latent gifts there, but God, it's true that God has given at least every believer at least one gift. And you, you, can, you can make a very clear case from that, from the different passages of 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 4. But <clears throat> under discover your gifts, I want you to think about three circles that are overlapping somewhat. And in one circle, you'd write clinically. Another one, you'd write communally. And the last circle, you'd write existentially. I want to explain that. So clinically, communally, and existentially. This is how you discover your gifts. So clinically, it's, it's literally taking a test. There are tests that you can take that ask you series, a battery of questions that you can start to discover. What are your gifts? Um, uh, Saddleback Church out in California has a, a whole series called Shape. And uh, we, we've had DNL classes here in the church where you can come in, take spiritual gifting. There's plenty of online gifting tests. So clinically, you can take some tests to help understand what are, your, what are some of your gifts. Communally, I want to camp out on this just a little bit. Again, I've said earlier that the, the understanding your gifts are never done in a vacuum. They're always done in the context of the body of Christ. And so the way you can start to discover that is in large groups and small groups. So large groups, yesterday, we had 40, 30, somewhere between 30 to 50 men there and boys that were sharing barbecue, shooting guns, enjoying one another, talking, and, and great. I, I don't necessarily want to um, highlight one, but Gray and I were talking, Gray organized at Gray Doss, and he said it was pretty easy. He just, you know, he set a, set a date and said, let's do this, and people, men started coming out of the woodworks that were helping him, but I, I would say that God has given him the gift of leadership, and he gave him some direction to give direction and motivation, and people started to come to bring resources to bear to make that happen yesterday, and it was a good event. 
a good event for the body and for those outside the body. But it was, a, it was a large group context that revealed some gifting that he had. I think another way is in small groups. We have small groups, probably 60% um, of our congregation meet in groups of 12 or less on a weekly or biweekly basis. And in that, it's an opportunity for you to rub up against one another. And for people to start to sit back and say, you know, I really, I've really seen you notice people's needs very well. And you meet them and you do it without notice of others. I, I think you may have the gift of mercy. You know, it, it, it's almost like it's scratch, spiritual gifts are like scratch and sniff, right? Which is, is that the, when you scratch it and you remember those books as a kid and you, you smell whatever scent it is, blueberry or whatever, strawberry. That's what your spiritual gifts are. As you rub up against one another, it starts to reveal this aroma of your spiritual gifts. And that happens. And should happen. That's the body of Christ being the body of Christ. And the last one, and by the way, we've all seen it on American Idol before. You know, the, the tryouts and someone comes forward and they start trying to sing. And it is atrocious. It is atrocious. And, you know, Simon stops them after about three or four sentences and says, you know, what in the world is going on? You, you cannot sing. And usually that person is pretty defined and prideful. And, you, you know, they say, you wait, I'll be right. I'll be back next year. And you usually don't see them again. They don't have the, that gift of music. And it's a sh- the, the biggest thing whenever I see that is it's a shame that they weren't in a body, a community that was able to tell them before they got on national TV, you ought not do this. You know, you don't bless people when you sing. <clears throat> Thank God I had a body to tell me that. Um, but communally, that's uh, where it happens. And then the last circle is existentially this is to discover your gifts it's just what are your hearts desire what do you what are needs that you see you know if you have a if you have a sense of something or gift you you make observations that others don't you see needs or you have passions and you're like this ought to happen and i'm going to by god i'm going to do something about this that's that that's where your heart starts to come come out that's existentially so out of those three overlapping circles you start to discover your gifts or maybe you're not at the discovery you know what your gifts are but you need to develop them and the two ways you need to develop them is how you do it and why you do it okay so how you do it the more if if you have the gift of teaching you just need repetitions you just need opportunities to go and teach and you start to see things that you need to to do more of or less of but it's also going to show you what your motives are. I remember early on when I was, uh, w- w- some of my first couple of sermons, Dean pulled me aside and said, you don't need to make it about you. You need, God's going to use you, but you don't need to make it about you. It is, it brings glory to God. He was after trying to purify my motives. Help me purify my motives. First Peter 4 speaks to this. 1 Peter 4.10 says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. So whoever speaks as one who speaks, the oracles of God. And whoever serves, serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. He's saying purify your motives. You know, think of your heart as a bag of marbles. Okay? And in that bag, there's white marbles and black marbles. 
And think of the, the white marbles as pure motives. That you're doing it to encourage the body of Christ and to bring glory to God. And think of the dark marbles as to encourage your own self and to bring glory to your own self. For people to look at you. Well, the more you employ your gift, the more you're, God's going to reveal those dark marbles in your heart. And God's going to use the body of Christ or he's going to use the Holy Spirit for you to one by one start to pull those those ill motives out. Now, you will always have, Romans, if there's one thing Romans says, that you will always have um, that, those dark marbles present in your heart until you die. But employing your gifts gives you an opportunity for the Spirit to reveal your wrong motives as well as your right motives. So you need to hone your gift. And you also need to have a why not attitude. Uh, I mean, a couple years ago, um, whenever I was uh, in seminary and uh, new to this church, <clears throat> God really convinced me. He says, you need to have a why not attitude. If someone asks you to teach, then you need to go ahead and teach and say, why not? Why shouldn't I? Um, the last thing, so you want to discover your gifts. You want to develop your gifts uh, specifically on how you use them and why you use them. The last one is you want to deploy your gifts. You want to look for opportunities the word literally means in gift to donate. You want to look, look for opportunities to donate. I mean, look at this. These boxes represent the gifts of evangelism, the gift of mercy, and the gift of giving, all stacked on top of one another. This is beautiful. This is deployment of God's grace. This is incarnation of God's grace. Uh, unmerited favor. Those kids didn't do anything to get these toys. It is grace that they're getting them. They're also getting the word of Christ. Um, you want to look for opportunities. Don't leave it on a shelf. A couple of years ago, Stacy and I were walking through Target, and we were um, we were in the uh, camping section of Target where they have sleeping bags and other things, and there was a Coleman stove on there. And she says, uh, "We're talking about through you know what are different gifts you want for Christmas," and she said. She said, what, she was looking at the, uh, looking at the Coleman stove, and she said, would you want one of those? And I go, yes, I want one of those. That'd be great. She goes, well, great, I bought you one two years ago. <laughs> yeah, I'd totally forgotten, and it was on the shelf in the garage. I know exactly where it is, pristine in the box. And then she told me that and walked away. And I was like, sitting there going, Reason 359 why I married my wife. Um, for her to re, just, re, you, left, I, you left your gift on the shelf. When you don't deploy the gifts God has given you, then you've left it on the shelf. Your gift is for God's grace to someone else. And someone else's gift is for you to understand God's grace for you. And so the, the message today is just, Paul is saying, just do it. Whatever gift you have, deploy it. Do it. Start now. Go to someone and say, what do you see in me? What do you see that's not in me? Help me. Because we're depending on your gifts. I'm about out of time, so I want to pray for us. But I pray that some of those shotgun those Holy Spirit shotgun pellets 
have hit you today. And you really get before God and say, what is it you're calling me to? What are the things you're calling me to, Jesus, to do in this body and in the greater body of Christ? Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you for the opportunity um, for us to freely worship without fear of retribution from the government or from uh, some others that would want to hurt us, but that we can freely worship. That is a gift, uh, a great opportunity that you've given us. And because of that, you've given us great responsibility as the church of Christ in America and here specifically in Union County. God, they're, they're, I believe they're untapped gifts, untapped resources here in the body of Christ at the Church of Redeemer. Holy Spirit, let us scratch one another and reveal what are those giftings? What, are the, what is that grace that needs to be shown to one another and to those outside the body of Christ? Thank you for this opportunity to be able to teach and use my gift to hopefully edify and bring conviction and encouragement to the body of Christ. In your name, amen. Amen. Please stand with us as we close. As Blair mentioned, it was that uh, we have gifts to share. And you might be, I don't know what my gift is or I'm afraid to use my gift. Well, it is by God's grace. And that's what we're singing to close our time. Oh, how strong the power of Jesus' name.
Spirit of Jesus brings through the trials. He will carry me one day in heaven. Our eyes will meet filled with wonder. All the saints will sing hallelujah. What a Savior. I owe everything to Him. And hallelujah, what a Savior. Hallelujah to my name. Sing it out, church. like to ask the elders and care team to come forward. If you'd like to pray with us or say hello, even to me, I'd love to meet you and uh, have an opportunity to say that. Also, I do want to thank Blair. Way to use your gifts, bro. Thanks for the good word today. Really appreciate that. God has called us all to serve and to serve in unique ways, which always requires a great deal of faith. So I leave you with a benediction from 1 Peter 4. It says... Uh, above, uh, excuse me, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God prov- supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory, dominion, and honor forever and ever. And all God's people said, Go in peace. For from him, through 